Hello and welcome to Combo Chain, a JRPG Games Club podcast. In this episode, we are covering Fire Emblem Three Houses. I'm Paul M. Davis. I'm Elisa James. And I'm Six Detmar. Welcome, Six. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome to have you here today. Uh, yeah. yeah, a rare, a rare a guest spot for me. I used to do a lot more uh, occasions <laughs> to guests, but then life got in the way, and and I'm huddled off in my own corner of the internet. It's good to stretch my legs a little bit. Good to be on your show. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, coming on. Yeah, yeah. You were telling me before we started recording that like you got eight eight po- eight podcasts going. I think. Wow. That's Unfortunately, I have lost count, which sort of says, I guess, everything, right? Yeah, I do a show for Abnormal Mapping, but mostly I run uh, my own network with my uh, best friend, Jennifer Uncle. Uh, we run uh, Scanline Media. So that's uh, that's where we do most of our work, articles, and mostly podcasts. So That is pretty impressive. That is. Wow. I mean, you just say that because you haven't heard them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my podcasts are just like I'm cleaning up my room and I just turn on a microphone and then I export an hour and a half of audio. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, our, our other show, we Mega Ten Marathon, and uh, we've only managed uh, one episode this year so far. So I know. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. But that's a whole different story. But yeah, yeah, we're we're so glad to have you, and we really Thank appreciate you. you taking some time to talk about this this pretty pretty fascinating and, and meaty game. Um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I I don't know if this is a situation, uh, an atmosphere where I can call myself a Fire Emblem fan because, like a coward, I only started enjoying them once they came to the West. I wasn't <laughs> since I didn't get in with like. Thrasia seven seven six. Real fans would spit on me. But. Oh, don't worry. Real fans <laughs> hate Fire Emblem too, so it's it's fine. <laughs> you just as much. <laughs> Good point. You're t- you're totally in a safe space. I mean, my first one that I actually beat, I think, was Awakening. Yeah, and me too. Got <laughs> back to like the Game Boy Advance ones, and I yeah, haven't played anything prior to that it's not a bad place to start <laughs> definitely yeah yeah really early on we did an episode about that and um yeah i mean people 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 have to shit on that game but that's it's got it's got a lot to recommend it um, yeah absolutely it's not fates after all yeah oh. i mean <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Oi, oi, oi. That sure was a game they shipped. Or, yeah. sorry, three games they shipped. Uh, <laughs> three quote-unquote games they shipped. Oh, God. Yeah, you gotta wonder if, like, behind the scenes, after Fates, Nintendo was like, all right, we're pay- pairing you up with uh, Koei Tecmo to, like, mm-hmm. actually yeah. nail it this time. They're like, they're like, don't ever hire anime writers again. <laughs> <laughs> but do turn uh, Fire Emblem into a persona. <laughs> yeah. And it works. I don't know how they did it. I don't know, I don't know either. But... I mean, I feel like the writing was on the wall with, uh, I don't remember which, was it, was it Awakening, the 3DS one, where 
you could use the stylus to like rub the faces of oh, that was no that was, that was face everything that was bad was face okay. <laughs> just remember that yeah the the skin ship i remember <laughs> distinctly having a moment where i was like i had gotten married in the game and i entered my house and there was a brief cutscene of my husband stepping out of the shower and then the game just sort of stopped and i was like it's waiting for me to blow on him because his shower was hot. What am I doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I like this man, but I don't know if I could like anybody like that. Exactly. Like, just imagine, like, <laughs> blowing someone dry can't. <laughs> That's a whole other level. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the the rubbing mechanic definitely. It's just one of those moments where I was like, I'm really glad this is on a portable system right now. Like, <laughs> nobody can see my shame. On the so, other hand, what if you had to walk up and rub your TV? Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh. I'm sure. I'm sure Elon Musk will figure out a way to. Like, <laughs> exactly. It'll be the way you power the hyperloop. Yeah. <laughs> That's practically a Black Mirror episode right there. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like powering a hyperloop by uh, rubbing. A rubbing on a wife. Yeah. <laughs> Siri refusing to tell you how to get to work unless you rub her feet. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> oh, Sorry, no. I guess I should have mentioned before you had me on, I'm also a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> you fit right in! <laughs> perfect. Oh, man. <laughs> um... um. So, getting into the history and development, Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses was uh, released globally for the Switch on uh, July 26, 2019. And uh, concept development for Three Houses Houses began in 2015, following the completion of Fire Emblem Fates, which we previously discussed. Interestingly, the uh, team originally planned for Three Houses to be another 3DS title. And that plan was scrapped, wisely, I would say, when uh, production began on uh, Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valentia. I can't, ima- I can't imagine this as a 3DS title. Like, Not that this is like the most technically demanding game, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, just the kind of things that they introduce and kind of pull. Like, It needs that. It ne- it- it's too large of a scale for the 3DS. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty, pretty interesting. But I guess so they weren't really at the original planning stages. They weren't really aware of the Nintendo Switch, and so when they got development information about it, they decided to make it a game for home consoles, which makes it the first Fire Emblem title to appear on a home console since uh, Radiant Dawn on the Wii, which was like a total bomb because this was before Fire Emblem blew up. But yep. now is so expensive. Radiant Dawn was also just the the one that it wasn't helped by, like at a time when, when Fire Emblem hadn't super caught yet, they had that localization screw up with difficulties. And so anyone who tried to play the game in America just found it 
unbelievably punishing. Oh God, yeah. Oh yeah. Oof. <laughs> yeah, and also I I just looked it up on eBay. It's going for one hundred and eighty dollars on on eBay. Yeah, yeah, and it just I don't know. It just seems like kind of like it was probably released around the time when the Wii U was starting to fade a little bit, and mm-hmm. it's not a franchise that was really that really lended itself to the Wii that well. So, but yeah, yeah, they went several generations without doing a. Uh, <laughs> home console game unless you count tokyo mirage sessions which shouldn't be counted for anything exactly what (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, sorry (laughs) the discord disconnecting sound (laughs) a lot of people agree with you though so so take comfort in that it's just not us It's funny, actually, when we, I, I remember it's been, so, it's, 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 I, I think it's okay too. I think it's, it's not a bad game. <laughs> yeah, it's perfectly okay. It's funny, but we, we did it on our Shimagami Tensei and Persona podcast a few years ago. And we, that was our takeaway was like, this is perfectly okay. But I think over time, it's just become like a meme on our shows that we remember it being worse than it actually was. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so anyway, Intelligent Systems wanted to wanted Fire Emblem Three Houses to be the biggest and best in the series, and uh, they felt like they couldn't make it alone. So they decided to bring in kind of like a Nintendo's kind of ringer third party third party studios koei tecmo so at this time intelligent systems and uh, koei tecmo were already collaborating on uh, fire emblem warriors and so you know they already had an, an existing rela- relationship and um, so they decided to work with one of Ko- koei tecmo's uh, internal teams which was uh, led by Ko Shibasawa. And yeah, the biggest challenge was basically bringing the series to a high-definition console, which was really a first for them. And full production began in 2017 with Tokiyushi Kusakahara and uh, Genki Yokota, who are respective developers for Intelligent Systems and uh, Nintendo e- EPD, returning to the direct game. The game scenario was written by uh, Koei Tecmo's Yuki Ikeno, Ryo- Ryohei Hayashi, and Mari Okamoto. So that was, that's really interesting to me that basically the writing and scenario was primarily on the Koei Tecmo side and not on the intelligent systems side but well i think it really shows in that like frankly as much as i like fire emblem i don't really think the settings have ever been very well thought out mm-hmm. um, yeah they're always pretty basic and this is like easily you can immediately tell this is like this is the same team like like koshi busawa specifically worked on a bunch of like the like the romance of the three kingdoms games for bandai namco and you can immediately see that influence yeah yeah like i remember uh just being blown away by how much world building and thought and detail was like put into this whole setting like even just when you go in the library and you start reading all the back history and just it's it's incredible. Like it actually kind of made me think of like Final Fantasy twelve 
and that sense of like the amount of richness and like that detail like it it really does like speak on uh who wrote all that they it, it's incredible mm-hmm. the story is definitely more much more sophisticated also i feel mm-hmm. like uh in comparison to previous fire emblems which stories are okay but they're not much more complicated than kind of a shonen anime or something pretty much (laughs) especially kind of like characters with very gray morality or sort of questionable intentions and whatnot and you know also also the characters themselves and the character development just seemed just seems much more rich yeah yeah absolutely yeah so all three had previously worked on the scenario for warriors and they also helped with the writing the social segments of the game. So two key parts of the game, the school sections and a time skip late in the story, were direct, directly inspired by the 1996 entry Fire Emblem, Genealogy of the Holy War. The narrative in three houses of characters who were friends in their youth coming into conflict in their older years was almost directly lifted from a Genealogy of the Holy War. Yeah, genealogy is a whole a whole piece of work. It's one of the ones that hasn't been localized, but if you decide to delve into it, it tackles some stuff. Yeah, I don't really know much about it. I mean, there's incest, like patricide, and there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, <laughs> and I don't feel like it's trying to be dark. It's just from a period of of like of games writing where they just sort of wrote shit. And they did pretty that. much. <laughs> that was just one of the things. Yeah. yeah. That's really funny. That's really amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, intelligence systems staff handled the weapon and the world design, and uh, they brought in freelance illustrators for uh, other parts because basically they wanted a whole new aesthetic for the series. And so, character designs and illustrations were, were handled by Chinatsu Ku- Kurahara who's uh, known for Uda no Prince Sama and uh, Tokyo Twilight Ghost Hunters. And they're the uh, main character designer for the game. And Kurohara was in talks with intelligence systems prior to development. And they basically made the decision to uh, go with them because they felt she could best illustrate the, uh, quote, glamorous or aristocratic society portrayed in the game. And uh, her influence is uh, particularly notable in the uh, hairstyles of the characters. Kazuma Koda, who uh, works on both Bayonetta 2 and Nier Automata as a concept artist, was also contracted to provide concept art for the game. And the music was composed by Fire Emblem Fates composers Takaru Kanazak and Hiroki Morishida. Yara and Yokota have stated in an interview that Three Houses in its release form would have been difficult or impossible to make without Koei Tecmo's help. And they cited in particular Koei Tecmo's experience developing large-scale battles during for their uh, Dynasty Warriors franchise, which provided the experience to allow for like large numbers of characters to be shown on screen in battles for the first time in the series. So the new school setting allowed for the team to expand the series RPG mechanics beyond just uh, kind of leveling up in the tactical battles. But the social aspects went through multiple uh, unsatisfactory builds before some team members suggested 
a calendar system, and ability points based on character relationships, which is amusing because that's basically the like social link system from persona it's it's, it's just funny to me that they they tried all they attempted multiple systems and just were like "Eh, let's just let's just rip this off from persona like i mean plenty of games have done that at this point like maybe they didn't need to Try and reinvent the wheel. And uh, the weapon triangle, which has been a recurring system for most of the series, was discarded because the developers believed the new weapon-based skill system would increase player choice and some of the uh, sophistication of the of the battle system. The skill growth system drew uh, inspiration from Zill O, a role-playing game series, a role-playing series developed by Koei. And the team toyed with the idea of including child characters, the, who would be the children of the romantic supports, for the story's second half, which was a feature from genealogy of the Holy War. And they'd also done things like this in Awakening and Fates. But they decided against this, opting for a support experience based around character maturation and platonic relationships, which was weird because they still have romantic relationships in there but uh, i mean they just didn't want to have to invent another baby dimension i think Basically. so too i think so too uh, i can't imagine <laughs> like the, this game is so i mean I, I wouldn't say it's overly long but there's just already so much there mm-hmm. yeah and we just and we just didn't need another like like awakening was fine because that actually made sense i don't i i don't know what fates tried to do and we we didn't need that again like yeah, it's just yeah. that, fates- that idea fates was like okay so there's another dimension that we have access to where time goes faster and everything's fine forever so shove your baby in there so many questions not the least of which is wait why don't we just live there exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh man i didn't even make it to the baby dimension oh Oh, i mean no nobody nobody makes it to the baby dimension and makes it back out exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh man so yeah do you want to move on to the uh, gameplay and mechanics yep so three houses introduced many new mechanics and changed many of the established series elements. I think one of them we just referred to, of course, was the the the, the weapons kind of triangle. So the game itself is not only focused on a succession of battles interspersed with menus or a world map, but also introduces a school setting, which divides the gameplay into two distinct phases. So we have the school phase in which the player will spend time with a portion of the playable cast as a professor, instructing them in the art of war and improving their combat capabilities. This allows this player to shape the playable cast in a manner of their own choosing through tutoring, leading them down different weapon and unit type proficiencies and ultimately different class paths where they take certification exams. Players can, you can freely. Also, uh, you, you can also teach them how to dance. Uh, yes, <laughs> which was actually really cute. I actually liked that a I lot. Love that. I love that. <laughs> 
So, so players can freely roam a Garrick Mock Monastery to interact with the cast of characters, as well as perform tasks and do various side activities to improve stats, form supports, and improve overall performance in combat. So, through though a, pay, a player starts with the eight students from the house they choose to teach, they are able to recruit most students from other houses as well. Uh, if they reach certain weapon rank, unit type, and or uh, stat levels. Uh, I know the only ones you can't recruit are the other other house leaders. And then those house leaders, they're, I forgot the official word, but they're bodyguards. <laughs> I know there's a word for it. I just can't remember it now. <laughs> but yeah, so... Other non-student characters may also be recruited by the player based on story progress and the player character Violet's level. So then in the combat phase, we have the top-down turn-based map battles that's featured in all past Fire Emblem games makes a return, but with many new revamped combat features. So unlike previous games, each class is generally free to use any weapon they see fit. For examples, archers are allowed to use swords and axes. Weapon proficiency not only provides bonuses to characters when using weapons, but they they have more experience with, but also improves the odds of passing certification exams for classes proficient in a given weapon type. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh Battalions were an additional battle tactic to boost allies or weaken enemies. Battalions have passive abilities which grant character buffs to the lead unit and can perform special moves called gambits, which range from healing multiple units to stunning powerful enemies. As with other recent entries, Classic Mode continues the tradition of character permadeath, while in Casual Mode, fallen characters are revived after each battle. And then, of course, after a certain point in the story, players can rewind and undo a set amount of turn actions per battle using the Divine Pulse ability. The magic system in Three Houses shares some functionality, functional similarities with Fire Emblem Gaiden and its remake Fire Emblem Echo Shadows of Valentia. As characters level up their reason and faith skills, they learn magic spells, which they are free to use so long as they are class capable of doing so. And each individual spell has a set number of usages per battle and does not require equipping a tome or expending HP to cast as in past games. Thank God. I know. <laughs> I mean, it does make it kind of busted, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, not, not super balanced, but it is fun. So. And then all playable characters are capable of learning magic, but the list of spells they are capable of learning varies between them. Uh, so as far as, as our story here, we're, we're, we're taking uh, a journey to the, uh, the continent of Fodlan, where you've got three uh, rival nations. You've got the Adrastian Empire, You've got the Holy Kingdom of Fargus, and you've got the Leicester Alliance. They have been at war in the past. Currently, they're at peace, and this peace is sort of like simplified by the Garrig Mock Monastery in the center of the continent, which is a both a military school where the students from all three nations go to train, but also the sort of the the center of the uh, Church of Saros, which is the dominant religion and sort of the fourth power 
of the uh, continent. A long time ago, there was a big war between the founder of the Church of Seros, aptly named Seros, and the King of Liberation, as he was called, uh, Nemesis, which if you're thinking King of Liberation and then the name Nemesis, yeah, well, listen, he was not super nice. And uh, he lost that one. So ever since that, Seros established the empire, and then over time, in the, the, the thousand years since that happened, the kingdom split away from the empire, and then the alliance formed, and there was a war. And in the meantime, the church has sort of quieted things down. For how long, we will see. Uh, you can probably guess by the end of the game, not so much. One of the things that's iconic for this game and its setting is the uh, the crests, which are basically like magical uh, sigils that the, the noble houses have. So it's a big part of like both like the sort of the caste system of like enforcing like like nobility and, and the peasantry, but also it's this weird like because they're inherited like you know what's the what's the word i want like y y through through kids and stuff right it turns into this weird like secondary economy of like bartering your kids which of course was always a thing in nobility in the <laughs> real world but adding yeah the degree of like no if your kid has sex with my kid their baby will be super powered makes it way more fucked up and there are um special weapons associated with particular crests it's also notable this is where the fire emblem appears in this one is there's a crest of flames which is the mm. the the Fire Emblem always appears in every Fire Emblem game in some form. As the player, you're going to be playing as Byleth, who is a, a pre-customized character. Like, appearances is set. You just choose whether you want to be male or female. You can also change the name, but it's Byleth. She's in Smash Caller Byleth. And she was... I'm, go, I'm going to go with she because I think I think that's the better option. And, you that's, know, it's just easier to option sing I went with too. Yeah. So Byleth is a, a mercenary who, through a series of events, ends up getting enrolled as a teacher at the uh, the Garrick Mock Monastery. Byleth has some 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 strange like like mind palace interactions with a a, a little girl named Sothis who seems to be like like appearing in her dreams and like granting her wisdom and occasional power. And as Byleth, you choose which of the three schools of the of Garrick Mock you want to be the the sort of the the homeroom teacher for there are the black eagles which are uh representative of the empire they're led by the the empress to be edelgard von kresvelg i want to say it's a bit of a bit of a massful you know what none of these are going to be easy to say claude's going to be okay there's the blue lions which are led by the crown prince prince of the kingdom dimitri alexander bladid and then there are the golden deer uh, led by claude von regan who is the heir of the alliance and the alliance of course is the one that is not a a monarchy so he is like the heir to the leading family but he's not like literally speaking a prince or princess as opposed to the other two um, he's also a total fuckboy. <laughs> well we have a section about that paul if you I'm would sorry. wait just a minute <laughs> it's your show i'm kidding but listen He's got. He, we'll, we'll talk about him. So that's your that's your so your lead characters of the three different routes. There are actually four different routes, but we'll get into that. And um, there's also the characters for each house, and the monastery staff. And that's pretty much the the cast of the game. That's and that's the setup for the game. Yeah. So talking about uh, characters, I guess it's probably worth talking at first about which which house y'all 
decided to go with. I personally decided to go with the uh, Black Eagles because mm-hmm. Edelgard is my girl, even if she is a uh, complete goddamn fascist. <laughs> I could not. I got a lot of love for her. I don't know. What did you guys go with? I also went Black Eagles on my first playthrough. I played through a couple of times. So mm-hmm. I think I, I haven't seen Golden Deer still. Like I've watched some Golden Deer stuff. I haven't done a Golden Deer playthrough yet because I'll get into it. But I actually think it's really hard to do Golden Deer last because... Yeah. To me, it feels like the Golden Deer are playing a different game in a way that, like, I'm like, I understand that you have problems, but we have, I've played these other routes. We have bigger priorities right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's funny because I'm actually the opposite. Like, I, of course, play Golden Deer first, and now I'm kind of looking at Black Eagle. I'm like... Do I, do I really want to get involved in that? Like, I'm, I'm fine over here in my corner. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I want to get involved with uh, village burning. And, uh... <laughs> Listen, I, I appreciate that y'all don't like racism. I also don't like racism. However, there is a shadow race of ancient monsters puppeting society. We have to address this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, do I don't really have to. We can just leave that up to like. <laughs> That's fair. But I'll take care of it. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah, you, you got this. You're good. I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna go fight in a poisonous swamp for my final battle. <laughs> I love Dark Souls. <laughs> oh man cool so outside of that are there like any particular characters you were really drawn to i feel like yeah there's there's somebody for everyone except for maybe like lorenz no one likes lorenz but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i could make a case for for a whole lot of people so i'll i'll, I'll sit in the back and wait my turn here here who you, y'all want to talk about let's see so for me i have a lot of characters i like so mm-hmm. i actually even just now had to pull up the wiki so i can remember yeah. the names <laughs> i've got it open too <laughs> <laughs> so i just i immediately just loved claude and hilda like mm-hmm. their relationship is like phenomenal like i just they're like those gossipy judgy people like <laughs> And it just, they're just, they're just great. Like they have great chemistry. They're just a lot of fun. Like, uh, let's see who else. I also ended up liking Dorothea a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dorothea is uh, my like number one. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's amazing. I love, her. love her. I feel like a lot of people love Ash and I'm one of them. Like I, I don't know. He's just so wholesome. Like I had to make sure I recruited him too. I was like, Nope, you're coming in here with me. <laughs> I just I have I have a friend who is a a big 9S fan and mm-hmm. Ash gives me such powerful 9S vibes that I'm just I've just got to stay away. <laughs> he's, he's going to turn out to be a secret racist. I just can't deal with it. <laughs> oh, that would have broken my heart. Oh my god. I would have been like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> of course i let's see i know i have other people oh i love mercedes of course i love Catherine. i mean come on and and alien and alios is that how you say his name 
I think that's or Aloise or Aloise, like Aloise. I yes, I don't know. you had it right. It was Aloise. Uh, I love just this is dad jokes. I mean, oh my, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Emmanuel is a hot mess, and I love her. Okay, that that's <laughs> the way they set up like Manuela versus Hanneman, right? Where you're supposed to be like, well, sometimes one's right and sometimes the other, and they're just this bickering couple, and you're like, Hanneman, go to hell. Yeah, nail this. I'm always on Manuela's side. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not, gotta go with Manuela. <laughs> exactly. The best. She's the best. Just period. <laughs> always right. <laughs> One of the best things about going Black Eagles is the way the the like the support conversations work out. Is it's oh, like so many of the inter Black Eagle social links are like character A meets character B and character A is like, why are you such a piece of shit? And character B is like, I don't know, why are you such a dweeb? And they're like, fuck you, fuck you. And then, and then the conversation ends and it goes, they've ranked up to B. And you're like, okay. <laughs> but, you know, they, they understand each other better, just not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I already mentioned Edelgard, even though she has problems <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> she is also a badass and also dorothea she was actually the romance character for my female byleth me too <laughs> oh, <really? Nice>. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i i i don't have it handy but there were a lot more like uh queer romance options in this game mm-hmm. as well yeah the previous yeah. ones and they weren't as like esoteric <laughs> well, that's what happens when you get bandai namco in here as opposed to just nintendo bandai namco's like okay what will the fanfic writers like They're that's just true it. <laughs> i appreciate that yeah. it's, true. it's true it's true i was i, I had a soft spot for uh, bernadetta like just yeah the oh fact yeah that she was maybe like, my favorite so, yeah she was just like really sweet and shy and like, I mean, I was a shy kid. I totally, I don't know. There was something about it, about her character that I really kind of like related. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of other ones. Petra is kind of a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. She's great. I was, I was kind of lukewarm on her at first. And then as, as they kind of developed her character <laughs> more and we got more of her backstory, it was like, Oh yeah, you know, yeah, I get where she's coming from. I didn't really have a lot of time for uh, most of the, most of the guy characters in the game. <laughs> yeah, I realized that too. I think one of the other than Ash, I really liked to do, but then I realized yeah. everyone else is like ladies, which actually is really good because <laughs> that means that they are actually written well. It's kind of problem normally. <laughs> well, especially in the Black Eagles, all the dudes are just such stuck up, like. Yeah. Well, I mean, Linhart's all right. Linhart <laughs> yeah. just likes taking naps. That's, That's true. true. Oh, I understand yeah. Linhart. Yeah. That's very relatable. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Linhart. What's uh, that? <laughs> Linhart's problematic fave in Black Eagles. <laughs> yeah, if you do, it's a sad with to do since he's the one you can't recruit. Um, oh, I was... Lions, you get some great shit with him, but I was so mad. I wanted to steal him. Know, he's <laughs> fucking cool. Let's see some other characters to to shout out. Sylvain is I really appreciate this game really needs. Yes. A lot of his social links are like him hitting on a like hit, him hitting on a woman and the woman telling him to go fuck himself. Um, <laughs> and then 
then sort of the as they rank up they gradually explain to him that he's a huge piece of shit it's great he's just a womanizing asshole but like no one has any time for him in a way that is great that's uh, true. <laughs> Raphael is just a big friendly boy. We love him. Oh, he's amazing. Scythia, all timer as far as just like precocious underage brat who's like too smart. And also just gameplay wise, probably the strongest character in the game. You put some put some XP into her and her magic. She can just one shot bosses. She's ridiculous. And then I guess my last shout out. Well, no, I have t- I have two last one sorry it's Um, okay (laughs) assuming i'm not talking about dlc characters yet because i'll hold that shamir is great because shamir is like you're introduced to like oh and here's the holy order of seros and their knights and shamir's like yeah it's a job (laughs) (laughs) i i felt that i was like yeah And then last, I really appreciate Hubert because I think unless you go all the way to S with him as like female Byleth, I don't think it's possible to see him show true affection to anyone but Edelgard. His uh, all of his social links, again, are just him lear- learning that maybe he doesn't have to murder this person, which is great. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so shout outs to all of them. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that we all have good taste in characters. That was great. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) It was funny because with Sylvain, it reminded me of, I went to a convention in 2019 and on one of like, in the, on the artist alleys, someone on their table had a sign that said, Sylvain has no rights. And I just immediately. Like, if you haven't, please look up the the Sylvain and Dorothea uh, fucking supports. Because oh, seriously, the Sylvain being like, hey, baby, what's up? And Dorothea being like, don't fucking talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm too good for you. <laughs> Get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one mechanic that uh, just to wrap up with the story uh, or the characters, but uh, one mechanic we didn't call out, but is really one of my favorites was uh, tea time. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, I love tea time. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Which was basically just an opportunity to sit, sit down and have a little conversation and, and a, and a uh, proper cup of tea. With, uh, <laughs> and disappoint Lysithia because god damn it girl I don't know what you want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> I love the mods people did like someone did a mod pretty early on where you could have tea time with like the death knight <laughs> <laughs> I was, that was great honestly my favorite and I think it was my cut the cut my cover on my like like twitter page or something cover image for a while it's just the big like <laughs> the big symbol or uh, the big uh thing that comes up on screen if it goes well it says perfect tea time <laughs> 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 just it felt like something out of like a fishing game or something <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so why don't we move on to the plot of the game? Oh, yeah. Which begins with part one, White Clouds. 
So the game starts with the Byleth dreaming of a great war between the divine Saros with the former emerging victorious. And this is seen in a pretty badass anime cutscene. Then sees a girl on a throne who immediately asks who she is. And the girl on the throne is just kind of like we talked about her earlier. You're just kind of in this nether region. She asks you all these questions that purportedly will affect your character and she's also totally doing the like anime trope of like here's a 10,000 year old woman who uh, looks like she's 13 so yeah but you're in this weird nether region and then Byleth wakes up by her father and leader of a mercenary of the mercenary company his name's Gerald. Gerald is also pretty great we don't I'm not to give too much away but if you're listening to this podcast you probably played the game we don't get a lot of time with Geralt, but he's 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 a good dad. Oh, dad I, I love him. Yeah, yeah, I love him. So they begin preparing to head north, but they're greeted by three students of the officers' academy: Edelgard, Dmitri, and Claude, who ask for their help dealing with bandits and aid the students. But when Byleth is about to take a fatal wound protect, protecting Edelgard. Time stops and uh, Byleth goes back to like the nether realm and uh, sees the same girl from their dream from her dreams. She then introduces herself as, as Sothis and uh, teaches Byleth how to rewind <laughs> time and rethink an action. So you've got kind of like this in-game narrative reason behind the mechanical ability to turn back time, turn back time in and the tactical parts of the game and try to fix like mistakes that you made, which is, is cool. It's cool to have like at least some kind of like, even if it's like just like anime magic has some kind of narrative reason for that. So now she has the foreknowledge of what's going to happen. Uh, Byleth uh, rewinds time and uh, is able to parry the bandit, saving Edelgard and herself. Not knowing what happened, uh, Geraltin students are impressed by Byleth's schools <laughs> And uh, as the bandits flee, the Knights of Saros come to save the students. The Knights immediately recognize that Geralt is the famous blade breaker and former <laughs> captain of the Knights of Saros. And they insist that he and Byleth return to Garrick Mach Monastery with them and the students. They're reluctant, but agree. And uh, they return to the monastery where they meet the head of Garrick Mach and Archbishop of the Church of Saros, Lady Rhea who asked Geralt to rejoin the Knights of Saros. So I got I got here's another little spoilery thing, but how early on did y'all figure out that there was something shady going on with Lady Rhea? Like, I feel like <laughs> I did in the first interaction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you meet her and you're like, huh, weird. You've got creep energy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to the, the her shadiness. So much to everybody's surprise, uh, she also offers Byleth the opportunity to teach the students of uh, of the Officers Academy as a professor. It'd be nice if becoming a professor was this easy in general. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> just get random, <laughs> random <laughs> offers for tenured professors, professorships. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry, creepy. Paul. Did you fucking 
cut down 12 bandits. That's true. I did not. I, did not. <laughs> I don't know. Is that easier or harder than getting an MFA and then, actually getting, and then actually getting a tenured professorship? That is true. I feel like a lot more people would just cut down 12 bandits. <laughs> So they both both agree to the offer, but Geralt privately warns Byleth not to trust Rhea. Byleth is then given the choice of lead, leading one of the Academy's three houses, Black Eagles, Blue Lion, Lions, or the Golden Tier. Uh, Byleth assumes their duties as professor for the Chosen House, training the, her students and uh, leading them in mock and real battles on behalf of the Knights of Saros. The students discover there's a conspiracy against the church when Byleth thwarts an attempt to steal the church's most valuable hero's relic, the Sword of the Creator. Mysteriously, the sword awakens when Byleth holds it, and Rhea uh, allows her to keep it. Uh, Byleth, Byleth and their class are then sent to recover a stolen hero's relic from a bandit clan, but the relic turns their leader into a monster, leading Byleth and their students to wonder about the true nature of relics and crests. A later a chapel at the monastery is attacked by demonic beasts, and Gerald is murdered by a student in the confusion. The student is an agent of those who slither in the dark, a cult that opposes the church. That's a badass name for a cult. Maybe a little verbose, but still. So reading Gerald's diary, Byleth discovers that Gerald fled from the church, due to uh, Rhea's plan from a then-newborn Byleth. Byleth pursues the cultists responsible for Gerald's death, but she's led into a trap and sent to a plane of darkness by their leader, Solon. Sothis then explains that she now remembers she is the progenitor god, implanted into Byleth in the hope that she would be reborn. Sothis then merges fully with Byleth, granting her the power to escape the plane of darkness, but uh, she sacrifices her individuality in the process. So now you've just got this annoying progenitor god stuck in you. Um, <laughs> and a lot, a lot, a lot of attitude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Byleth returns and defeats Solon with the newly empowered Sword of the Creator. She uh, returns to the monastery and Rhea leads Byleth to the to holy tomb where she attempts to awaken Sothis. Edelgard, who has been uh, revealed to be the mysterious flame emperor the whole time, then attacks the holy tomb with their army, accusing the church of being corrupt and secretly rolling Fodlan from the shadows. And it's revealed that Rhea is a dragon in disguise. Some roots further reveal her to be uh, Saros with her attempts at rec resurrecting Sothis indirectly birthing Byleth. Depending on Byleth's choices and the house they lead, they may any side with any of the three houses of the church. So if you side with the Ed Edelgard, you help her lead an assault on Garagmach, which until later on, that seems like a pretty good idea until you learn more about Edelgard <laughs> and what her <laughs> long-term plans are. If you, if you side with Rhea, Demetria, or Claude, they help in the defense of the monastery. Regardless of the side the Bile is on, she's knocked unconscious at the end of the battle and awakens five years later to discover that Fodlan has been plunged into a vicious, vicious war as the Empire, Kingdom, Alliance, and Church battle each other. The roots then diverge. 
Oh, man. So that leads into part two called uh, Silver Snow. So Byleth reunites with uh, their students and learns that Rhea has gone missing and the church has lost much of its strength. Byleth agrees to help stop the war and save Fotland. First, they retake Garrick Mach and use it as a base to launch attacks against the Empire. The church receives assistance from Claude and learns that Rhea has been captured by the Empire. Dimitri takes the opportunity to attack the Empire as well. As the church builds up its forces, the Empire, Kingdom, and Alliance engage in a three-way battle with all sides suffering heavy casualties. Dimitri is apparently killed and Claude goes missing. Byleth and their students attempt to capitalize in the moment to seize a strategic fort, but is destroyed by a rain of missiles, forcing them to withdraw. Byleth changes tactics and instead infiltrates troops into the Empire capital. Byleth defeats and executes Edelgard and rescues Rhea. Then they learn of the threat from those who slither in the dark from a postmas letter written by Hubert. Byleth and their forces head to the main base of those that slither in the dark, where they learn that they are the remnants of the nation of Gartha, a technologically advanced civilization that was wiped out by Saros' kindred in ancient times. Defeated, the Gothan leader Thallus calls down numerous javelins of light to destroy his own base. Rhea turns into her dragon form to protect Byleth and the others, but is gravely wounded. After conquering uh, Ashamhala, uh, Rhea reveals that Byleth's mother was her 12th failed attempt to create a vessel capable of housing Soltis's consciousness. She conceived Byleth with Geralt, but was forced to order Rhea to transfer the crest stone in her heart into Byleth to save them after they were stillborn. Rhea is suddenly driven mad by the power she used saving Byleth at Shamhala, and Byleth is forced to defeat her in a final battle. In the aftermath, the Empire, Kingdom, and Alliance are dissolved, and Fotlin is unified under the church with Byleth as its new ruler. So yeah, that's the, that's the route where basically if you pick fucking Black Eagles, but you don't side with Edelgard, that's the yeah. route you take. This is the route I got my first time through because I accidentally missed, there's a special interaction you have to have with Edelgard to even have the option to side with her, and I missed it. Oh. Uh, and I found this route shitty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty, pretty bleak. <laughs> it's not just bleak, it's also just like, it just feels kind of dumb like i mean as they mention here like you have all this stuff that happens and then ray is like oh, okay well i'm glad we managed to do that oh i'm evil now like she just oh, yeah. spontaneously <laughs> turns into the final boss with no warning and really no logic and then you beat her and she's like oh it's a shame you had to kill me good luck my sort of daughter and you're like, yeah. I'm super not your daughter, honey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who, who I've tried to kill before. Erase you from existence. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also worth noting real quick, because, I mean, it's, it's I don't know if we're ever going to talk about it elsewhere, but so they, they have this, the, 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 like the last city of this, of, of those who slither in the dark of the nation of Argotha. And it's called Shambhala, which is the name of like basically the the mythical kingdom of tibetan buddhism yeah yeah well gacha is also is also oh yeah you're right yeah it's a very weird pull that doesn't seem to have any actual meaning given how they use it 
No. Yeah, yeah. It feels like they was just like, oh, it's a pretty cool name. I'm just gonna, yeah, you yeah. know, grab that. <laughs> it's similar. Yeah, it's similar to the Ease games, like to pull from that mm-hmm. stuff too, but don't really do anything with it. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you in fact do choose to side with uh, Edelgard instead, you get the crim- Crimson Flower Root, where Byleth reunites with their students and Edelgard, and finds out that the kingdom has allied with the church. And meanwhile, the alliance is uh, just sort of sitting on the sidelines. Um, Edelgard plans to eliminate the alliance before moving on to the kingdom, because she wants to sort of, like, unify the land. Byleth is able to quickly seize the alliance capital, eliminate Claude from the war. You can either kill him or exile him, your choice. Then you move on to the kingdom, you take a vital fortress, and then it turns out that Edelgard's uncle Arundel is an ally of the, the those who slither in the dark who we've talked about before, and they they he arranges to have the fortress destroyed as revenge for, for Edelgard interrupting his plans. Edelgard sort of keeps this like low-key because she doesn't want to get into this whole the, those who slither in the dark thing just yet, because her plan basically is to unite the kingdom so she can deal with it. And so she instead says like, oh, that was the church. Oh man, fuck the church. And so everybody <laughs> is like, okay, great. I guess we need to keep fighting against the kingdom and the church. They advance on the kingdom. Dimitri meets Edelgard in battle. He's killed. The kingdom ar- army is routed. Uh, Rhea withdraws to the the capital as you're advancing Rhea sort of loses her shit and sets fire to the city so Edelgard has to kill her to to stop it and then Byleth nearly dies in the process but the uh, the Sothis crest stone in their heart dissolves and revives them in the aftermath Edelgard reunites all of Fodlin um, abolishes the church and the nobility and then turns her attention to those who slither in the dark because that's sort of been Edelgard's whole thing this whole time is she was uh, massively abused because of the crest system and all of that so she wants the church to be gone because they're evil and she also wants the caste system to be gone and that's why she's doing all this shit and then she wants to take care of the fucking shadow puppet monsters because <laughs> they aren't great either Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody dies exactly <laughs> i mean listen i don't love her methods but i can't i can't i can't disagree with uh wanting to take down a uh <laughs> feudal or caste system or church-run society Exactly. Or everyone, you keep everyone forgets the shadow monsters. That's really important. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, <laughs> they call themselves those who slither in the dark. That's not what we call them. That's what they call themselves. Exactly. <laughs> they are bad guys. <laughs> it's like every other route's like I am looking away. I do not see it. <laughs> so if you take the azure moon path byleth uh, reunites with dimitri who's been ousted from the kingdom due to a coup from pro-empire nobles and the time since uh, dimitri's become bitter disillusioned and uh dangerously unstable as he's haunted by visions of his deceased family and he's driven to get revenge on edelgard at any cost uh, worth uh, noting, they call him the Boar Prince. Yeah. What do boars do? What are they famous for? 
What happens when you try and hunt a boar? (laughs) (laughs) Just curious, just asking. My my, it was funny when you just asked, "What are they famous for?" And I immediately thought, "Oh, cannibalism." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I realized I had to be more specific. Pork. They're famous for pork. Porks. My mind just went immediately went to the uh, boar on the floor scene in uh, Succession. Oh yeah. Um, that would be my answer. So, yeah, Bible students and the, the remnants of the church ally with Dimitri, and they decide to use Gerig Mach as their base to attack the Empire. Dimitri eventually forces a massive battle between his own army, the Empire, and the Alliance, resulting in heavy losses on all sides. One of Dimitri's trusted vassals sacrifices himself to protect him from an assassin, which in combination with Bylas' guidance causes Dimitri to abandon his desire for revenge. So having his purpose renewed and guided back on the uh, path of righteousness, he focuses on saving Fodlan and uh, liberates the kingdom from imperial rule, assuming his uh, rightful place as king. With his own land secure, Dimitri rescues Claude from Imperial forces. Claude dissolves the alliance and cedes its lands to Dimitri before departing Fodlan. Dimitri then marches for the Empire capital itself. Wanting to make peace with Edelgard, Dimitri arranges a meeting with her and suggests they join forces to realize their goal. Edelgard refuses, however, forcing him to forcing his invasion into uh, Adrestia. Dimitri is able to defeat Edelgard and once again offers her mercy, but he's forced to kill her when she attempts to attack him. In the aftermath, Fodlan is united under the kingdom with Dimitri as its ruler, while Byleth becomes the new archbishop of the church when uh, Rhea voluntarily steps down. So yeah, Rhea doesn't go uh, batshit crazy uh, in this one, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, so it's, <laughs> so that's so an it's uncanon is what you're saying. Which is a pretty good rap. I actually I like Blue Lion a lot, so. Yeah, it's, it seems like there's a really good path of character development for Dimitri. It yeah. is. It is. I didn't, I didn't think I liked Dimitri as much as I, I did, actually, which is really nice. Like, I, I don't have any issues with him, but it was just like, oh, wow, like, he's pretty interesting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it helps that they introduced like the like the like high and mighty got his shit completely together, blue eyed, blonde haired twink. And then every possible route is like, this boy is such a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Makes him a lot more likable. It, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so the next route the best one always have to say that um, <laughs> Verdant. I mean, objectively the best because you don't have to deal with any of the crap we do <laughs> exactly i'm just unbothered moisturized <laughs> so we have verdant wind which is uh if you end up siding with uh claude instead uh, with the golden deer so byleth reunites with claude who has been waiting for their return then the occupied garrett mock and rally their students and the remnants of the church to stand against the empire 
gathering additional allies and support, Violet and Claude directly invade the empire. However, as they confront Edelgard and her forces, a kingdom army led by Dimitri also resulting in a massive battle. Edelgard is forced to retreat while Dimitri is killed attempting to pursue her. Byleth and Claude press on towards the strategic empire fort and receive aid from the foreign nation of Almira. However, the fort is destroyed by a rain of javelins of light before they can seize it and the Almirans decide to withdraw. Claude admits that he had secretly opened relations with Elmira and announces his desire to open Fultland's borders to the outside world and end the continent's isolationism. Byleth and Claude continue their advance, attacking the Empire capital. So Edelgard is defeated and killed, but Byleth and Claude learn that those who slither in the dark have been manipulating both the current war as well as the war 1,000 years ago. Rayer confirms the existence of the group, and Byleth and Claude set out to stop them. Claude's army defeats the cult in their secret underground city, and their leader, Thallus, attempts to destroy them with another series of javelins of light, but Rayer intercepts the javelins in her dragon form and is gravely wounded in the process. Meanwhile, Nemesis is awakened from his tomb by the cult. He and his ten elites have been merely a band of thieves who took power from Sultis and her kin after they were slain by the cult in the ancient era. This power was the source of the nobility's crest. Nemesis is resurrected by the cult as a final attempt to destroy Fotlin, but Byleth and Claude destroy Nemesis and his undead army. In the aftermath, Fultland is united under the rule of Byleth and Claude as they open its borders and start relations with foreign nations. I feel like this is the path where you get like all the lore. Like, yeah, it is pretty much. <laughs> yeah, you just you just do a quick little tour of all of it. It seems it seems nice. Maybe I should do it. I've spent enough time away. I can come back and just like take the Disneyland ride version of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> one thing i was sad about was dimitri dying in this ending i was like no <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's interesting in the in dimitri's path that you don't have to battle claude and he just make peace with them like i think that's the only path where you don't have to basically off, off the other members of the houses Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Although I know with Verdant Wind, it was just more that when Dimitri tried to pursue Edelgard is when he died. But yeah, I I did like that in Dimitri's route, you could actually form an allyship with Claw. Like, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I mean, I've only done like one, one and a half of the paths, probably. Yeah, I don't know if I have it in me for like to play like a hundred hours of fire fire emblem with a lot of the same content, but it is really cool how different these paths are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what else I like too about it, and this also includes with the, the DLC is that they don't try to pull the whole, okay, well, here's a perfect route where if everyone just talks to each other and gets along and <laughs> it's all nice and avert, like, no, it's like 
they're pretty they're pretty adamant about it being like there is going to be this breakdown you're gonna you have to make choices and there's gonna be sacrifices and there's really nothing you could do about that and there's, I, there's no there's no centrist path exactly yes <laughs> there's, no, there's no all lives matter path <laughs> So yeah, so I, I really like that actually. That that they stuck to their guns here on that. And and they could have easily had a DLC be like, oh well, here's a fix it for like everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they did it, they didn't do that. And I, and I, I, I like I like stories that I that I can admire stories like that that make those kind of consequences very tangible and very permanent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the DLC, Six? I would love to, because I think the DLC is is pretty good, honestly. So we're going to talk about Cinder. I think it's good, too. I think it it, it is hard, but I I think it's pretty good. You know, I heard that a lot. I mean, I think it's it's more strict than the main game, Mm -hmm. but I think if you just, like, I think it has a very specific idea of what it wants you to do. But I think if you do it, it's not that bad, except for that one mission where there's the things you have to break, like the pillars you have to break. And if you break the wrong one, you get fucked because I don't oh, God, that's yeah. just, that was just <laughs> um, so in the past when Garrick Mach was built, there were uh, four apostles of the of the, the church of of Sothis or Saros, excuse me. They tried to re- resurrect Sothis. It didn't work. And they pissed off a thousand years later. You find out that there is a uh, a area underneath the church called Abyss. Um, and you go down there to check it out. And down in the abyss, there is a secret fourth house, the Ashen Wolves. The Ashen Wolves are like mercenary rejects who are just kind of there because the church feels like trying to get rid of them would just cause more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. And the Ashen Wolves basically explain that, hey, they've actually been having some trouble lately with mercenaries attacking. So you and your school decide to, to ally with them and help them out. And this is actually an instance where you do get to use the full, like, compliment you get. Like, you get Edelgard and, fuck it, you've got yeah, Edelgard and Hubert and Dimitri and Dudu and Claude and Hilda. You get every leader and their assistant or whatever. Mm. And that's nice, getting to use them. So... You decide to help them fight off these mercenaries. It's discovered that the, basically the mercenaries are trying to get the Chalice of Beginnings, which is an item that is used to be, do that rite of, of rising to resurrect Sophus. At the same time, you also discover, thanks to your a liaison, Aelfric, who is sort of the church liaison to the abyss. He's like, hey, uh, the church is maybe thinking of killing all. I was like, okay, that's not great. The um, the mercenaries capture Aelfric. They hold him ransom. They're like, hey, you get us the chalice and we'll give him back. And Rhea says like, okay, listen, you give them the chalice, you bring back Aelric. Maybe we'll be able to work this out. It's not like they're going to be able to do this right anyway. However, the Ashen Wolves come to you and they're like, hey, it actually might be possible because the four of us that are the Ashen Wolves are also descendants of the four apostles. So <laughs> this actually might be a problem. And so you go to rescue Ilfric, and then it turns out that he was the one hiring these mercenaries to attack Abyss be- and pretending to be friends with the Ashen Wolves because he wanted to lure them in to use the chalice and do this whole rite he wants to actually resurrect Bilas mom citri i don't remember why (laughs) 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 
they don't they don't spend a lot of time on that but byleth manages to he rescues the ashen wolves so they can't be used for the ritual suggested at some point that there's something special like in the main game to byleth's mom like i guess she had some special power I mean, she was she was wife city. That's a special power. Yeah. Elfric uh, tries to do the ritual, uh, turns into an umbral beast. Y'all kill him. And in recognition of this, Rhea is like, okay, I guess I will let you out of the basement. Uh, It's a fun little side story. And if you do this in the course of the main game, you get to then recruit those four to your to your your house, which is great because three of them are incredible characters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To get out of the way, Constance is not. <laughs> Constance is like a, a a snobby blonde haired Josama, but her her fun thing is any map where there's sunlight, she gets really shy. It doesn't make any sense, and it's not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I enjoyed it in like uh, a take that way. It's like, oh, okay, I see. Not not talking so much, huh? And I just throw her in like every <laughs> sun map. <laughs> you know what? That's it, when the missions where you're stuck with her, you're like, oh, good, there's sun. She'll shut up. I. Uh, so the other three you've got. They're all good in different ways. First of all, you have the leader, Yuri, who's just like charming Bashonin schemer boy. And that's fun. He's just uh, he's just like all smiles and, and manipulating everyone secretly, but for good reasons, or at least he'll say so. So that's fine. Right. He's also a hell of a flirt. You've also got Hoppy. Hoppy is great because she's, she, awesome. she's just like like she kind of has like better linhart energy she's like linhart and lysithia fused right oh yeah true where she's like perennially tired abused mage girl who is a prodigy but also just doesn't want to do anything with all this shit Um, (laughs) she's fantastic she is yeah i really loved her it's also really fun when if you do recruit her and do some of her roots in almost every route she is like like when the second half of the game she's like listen I trust Byleth. I think this war is bullshit. And that's, I like that. But I saved the most, not necessarily the best, but the most fun to talk about for last because Balthus is, (laughs) (laughs) Balthus is a highest magnitude. Oh my God. (laughs) Balthus is actually like one of the, like, he is certainly the oldest student. He is old enough to be a teacher. (laughs) <laughs> the secret yep. is basically what happened to him. You can TLDR it like this. He went to school. He flunked out. He went out in the world. He got in a bunch of debt and he said, or I should hide school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love he's, this guy. He's just a huge moron who doesn't know how to wear a shirt. And he's 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 great. He's best. Uh, it's like Battle of the Himbles, like Balthus and Raphael. It's like yeah. Wins. <laughs> yeah, but like like Raphael is like like sort of naive. Yeah, Balthus can't do math. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Balthus just hung up on you because he can't find his phone. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is a moron. Exactly. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love him. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you can't you can't not love Balthus who no, yeah, yeah, it's just like all these situations where you have like you're taking care of your students and there's this like twenty five year old guy here being like, Hey, it's me. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh man. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up here, is there any anybody, you know, any like final thoughts or things that we didn't touch on that y'all wanna bring up? Hmm. I'll go ahead. I mean, I guess the only thing I was going to say, it is really surprising to me that this is apparently like at least some of the same team that worked on like Fire Emblem, like, yeah, Fire Emblem Warriors, because that game's atrocious. Oh, my God. That game sucks really bad (laughs) and is not fun. And none of its original characters are interesting in any way. Meanwhile, this game is great. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird, like the 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 quality difference in that. I was actually kind of surprised too, with the whole like, oh wow, they did a war, they did that game. Oof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but oh, I was just gonna say, I wonder how much of that has to do with like Nintendo just wanting another game that they could push out in the first year of the Switch. Mm, like it true. definitely had rushed out the door energy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's just, I would say just in general, for me, like, I really have to give him so much credit for being willing to try out so many new things and really challenge a lot of the mainstays of Fire Emblem with this game. The Three Houses, when I think about it, was such a huge, in terms of everything that they implemented. And, and, and I'm really glad that it paid off in a phenomenal way, like in terms of like it just being an excellent game with, with great characters and and I'm just I'm just really happy that they decided to do that, especially after with with Fate. It was really nice to see them just decide what oh, we're gonna break from that mold and we're gonna try something else in the completely different direction. Even though Fate sold extremely well, and then to see that rewarded with three houses is really nice. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I totally agree with you. I think it's really cool to see that they took this risk. I think that in one way, I think that's very that's very like Nintendo like like when they. Even though Fate sold well, it was not as well received as some of the other games. Nintendo's pretty good at like kind of like gauging the kind of critical response to something, mm-hmm. and if something doesn't go well, they will take chances with the next iteration of it. But yeah, this is just such an amb- ambitious complete like rethinking of how fire emblem works bringing in an, mm-hmm. an entirely new mechanic that with the school and the i'm just going to call them social links because that's essentially what they are and whatnot as, as opposed to just like having like a little base like you had in the previous games and just like blowing that out on such a huge scale and really telling a mature story i i think it was definitely a risk Fire Emblem fans, at least some of them, can be pretty crusty, and yeah, there, there's still some like that are I'm only com- 32. <laughs> well, just in the sense that yeah, there's still some that are uh, complaining about the, uh, complaining that you can uh, play without permadeath. <laughs> oh my god i mean to be yeah. fair the good thing is that five fans have always been crusty since literally the first game yeah. so like i mean no one hates five but more than five fans so it's right. just <laughs> well, only the pain they deserve 
but yeah it's, you know. <laughs> exactly but at the same time i mean this this game is beloved you know as far as like the characters and how many memes it spawned and it sold incredibly well and i think it really paid off you know? It did, and the and the VAs too. Like I know I'm one of those people. Like I've been heavily following the VAs for the characters, and like they did so many fun videos because of this game. Like actually, like kind of launching their popularity, and it's just mm-hmm. it's been a blast, honestly, watching it and like just having so much fun. Like I didn't have this sense of community since like Awakening. Funny, and it's obviously surpassed Awakening, but Awakening was kind of the first one that had that sort of big sense of community people really just love these characters so much and then three houses was like that and then even more which has been awesome yeah, yeah totally totally i guess my last note is i know like with with everything that's going on development's a lot harder right now right and this is going to be a tough act to follow yeah. so i know they're probably really worrying over what to do with the next fire emblem and I think they should just make another DLC for this game. They should make a fifth house. Mm-hmm. I have a pitch for you. Those who slither in the house. That's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Everybody, listen. Creepy Spooky is very big right now. Just make a dog on Rampa house. <laughs> oh, man. Nice. <laughs> I love your pitch. I, I will oh. send it. I will send it to my uncle at Nintendo. Oh, perfect! Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> no, that that is totally awesome, and I think it's true. Like, I, I, I think they're gonna have a very challenging time following this up. I imagine what we'll see next is some kind of like remake of an older Fire Emblem in HD, and then yeah. we'll get like a proper follow up, like couple years after that but yeah for a few years it seemed like we were getting a fire emblem almost every year and i don't think that's how that's gonna happen yeah yeah i agree cool well why don't we uh, wrap up here move on to plugs six since you're our special guest what would would you like to tell people tell people oh sure thank you so I am one of the uh, co-founders of Scanline Media. We're over at scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. I think I mentioned at the top of the show, we do way too many podcasts. So uh, (laughs) just, you know, check some of that out. I won't list individual shows. We'd be here all day. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And you you have another show over on Abnormal normal mapping right i do yeah well, i'm also on a uh, novel not new over on abnormal mapping which is the uh, sort of the uh, like story focused podcast which i know is is a is a loose definition it was visual novels and then we were like hey but what if we played other stuff that was just good writing so. <laughs> perfect sometimes it's not good writing though that turns out that's that's the thing is is actually it's just lots of writing not necessarily good right right <laughs> Oh my god! I, I I feel like I I've played some great visual novels. It's not a genre I play a whole lot of, but I feel like every time I open up the Switch eShop now and look, look go to new releases, there's like five new horny like visual novels that all look. You're not same. wrong. <laughs> so I don't know how how they're turning that many of them out, but. 
Maybe it's really may- shocking because because they're on the switch they're horny but they don't commit right yeah like listen yeah. i'm an aromantic asexual this is not my zone but as an outsider my opinion is be horny or don't don't the middle it's, ground is worthless yeah. it is because then you appeal to no one it's like if you want to play a horny game it's like it just it leaves you unsatisfied and if you don't want to play a horny game now you have panty shots everywhere and it's just like yeah. I didn't... <laughs> why are we doing this exactly <laughs> so, pornography that... exists <laughs> yeah. exactly it's almost a visual novel equivalent of like i mean i mean i'm i'm, I'm the old one here but of uh <laughs> like a cinemax or skinemax of the 90s all these kind of sure. like oh yeah oh my god cable tv like horny thrillers that weren't really like hey, you might see someone in a revealing dress or something like that yeah <laughs> anyway awesome alisa what what do you got you got to plug so currently i work for uh game per and that's and i have the gamer as well with game per I mainly do like news and guides and then also previews and reviews. So if you want most of my writing, the bulk of it is currently on Gamer, on GamePro right now. The Gamer, I recently got a position as a list writer. So if you want lists of of kind of obscure things, (laughs) 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 like I kind of recently started one for cover that's going to be covering like all of the demons are being revealed for SMT5. That's something that's sort of ongoing that'll be updated regularly. So you can check that guide out or anything else that I do. Japanese fairy that they... Wait, which one? Hold on. That's (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's there's one that they added for this one that is like, they were like, what if we made Pixie, but based on Japanese mythology? Oh! Oh, yes, yes. So I know some people were a little miffed because in mythology, she has the appearance of like an old, like haggard sort of woman. And then on this design, they made her like very cutesy. And I I feel very guilty, but I actually really like her design. (laughs) I think I actually think it's really cute. Like, so I'm kind of like, no, I totally get why people would be like, oh, we should have gotten an old kid because that would have been awesome. But I'm kind of like, but I, I like I like the way she looks, too. <laughs> so Yeah, but, you like know, this is Alice, so it's like we got to make it sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 kind of like not on a blackout. I've watched the trailers, but I've not been like trying to follow SMT5. Oh, yeah. Go. Uh, news too closely because I want to go into it pretty, pretty, pretty like blind. Yeah, pretty blind as much as possible. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like I've only been watching the demon trailers because you know it's just de- but everything else, like you said, like I've been trying to keep away from the screenshots and like the trailers and things like that. Which, speaking of which, Elisa and I uh, co-host a sister podcast called uh, Mega Ten Marathon. Which mm-hmm. is all about uh, Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games, and we've only published one episode this year, but hopefully we will be able to get one another episode out in the next few weeks. So, yeah, that'd be great. You know, scheduling <laughs> has just been very hard uh, mm-hmm. this year. Six, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Of course, thank you for having me.
Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you again. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, for it. And yeah, and thanks to y'all for listening. And yeah, definitely take care. All right, take care, everyone. Peace.